Hey, my name is Mark, and um, I get to serve here as your interim lead pastor, and I am excited for today. We are starting a new series called Fully Alive because we want a church that's fully alive. We want a people that you guys have full life and that can only come through Jesus. And so we're going to be drawing everything to him today. But to start today's message, I want to give you guys a situation that we've all probably either been in, or if you're a driver, you've definitely been in this situation before, and then I take a quick poll. So you're in traffic, and you're at one of those lights that never seems to give enough time for the amount of people to go through that need to go through. We've all been there. But you've been there enough that you know if you're, if you're about four or five cars back, you probably should make it through on the next light cycle. So you're sitting in your space, your eyes focused, ready on that light to turn green. The light turns green, and the first two cars... They're on it, man. They're out in the intersection. But you're behind the person. You know the person. <laughs> you're behind the person, and they are not moving. So here's my question. How many of you guys are like immediate, no question about it, get on that horn, ah, like wake up people, get going? How many of you guys, by raising hands, are more like the beep, beep? I wish the car, the car horn had a different noise, like, hey, wake up, please. My wife said that before. I wish I had just like a nicer noise and said, ah, like beep, beep. How many of you guys are beep, beep people? I am not that person. Um, but my wife has told me uh, because of what I do, she said, um, you need to be nicer on the horn. <laughs> so apparently if you're a pastor, you can't be a real human. You have to use the beep, beep horn. Um, <laughs> but we all know what the real struggle is. It's the problem is the person in front of us. It is. And the problem is actually because they're not focused on the right thing. They're distracted. Whether that's their phone, whether it's a kid in the car, maybe they're just daydreaming, but they're distracted. They're not looking at the thing that matters. They're not focused forward on the vision and the mission of where they're supposed to be going. And I bring this up because a lot of us, we're living life head down, distracted. And whether it's something that's hard that's going on in your life, whether it's just the worries and the everyday frustrations and struggles, your eyes are down. But God is saying the light is green and I've got something better for you. I've got something bigger for you. So today, I don't have to do my little beep beep. I'm here to say honk honk, wake up. Let's go. For you personally, for us as a church, God is saying, I've got a direction for you to head, and I know you've been distracted. I know, church, there's been a lot of distracting things going on at this place, but no longer is time to lift up our head. The light is green. Let's get going. Let's move. Let's move. And I hear people say this a lot of times. They'll say, man, I just, I don't hear God. I don't know what he wants. And I'm here to tell you today, God does not have a speaking problem. He does not have a speaking problem. We have a hearing problem sometimes, but he does not have a speaking problem. We just need to lift up our heads sometimes and see the light is green. He does not have a speaking problem. Today is a day of reset, a recalibration and a reminder of the vision that God has for you personally and of the vision that God has given to life, to this church here, to give us life, to give us fullness. And I want to give a, a spin on a message that I've heard from my pastor at LifePoint Church, but it originally came from Pastor Chris Hodges. 
And I've heard this over a dozen times. And I heard it probably the first time about 10 years ago. And some of you guys are like, who is that? He's a pastor of a church down in Alabama that actually gave a lot of the funds to launch this church almost a decade ago. And a lot of his language that was inspired from scripture is actually in your lobbies and hallways. And there's words on the walls, but the problem when there's just, when words are just words, they just become white noise and meaningless. But when words have purpose, words can become powerful. And so today is the day that we give power back to these statements that we say and that we see on these walls. So we will see that we're a church that has focus, that has purpose, that has power, and that God wants to do something powerful in your life. And to begin, I want to take a look at a really familiar passage of scripture. Right when I start reading, and if you've been around church at any point in time, you're going to know this one. Um, But we're going to take a look at that verse today. But before we do, let's just give this day to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, that you are here with us. God, that you um, did amazing things during worship. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. And God, as always, God, I pray that your word would speak way louder than mine, God. And we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, be ready to do some like gymnastics today. We're going to be jumping around. And if it's your phone, if it's your Bible, I always tell people like, make sure that I ain't just making stuff up because maybe I'll just say that, you know, it's Mark 52, 6, there's no such thing. And you wouldn't know if you didn't have your Bible. There's an important thing to having it actually out and just seeing and knowing where things are. So we're going to be today in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. I'm going to go old school today too. We're preaching from the King James Version. Come on. Come on. These and thous. So Proverbs 29, 18, and I'm reading it from this version because a lot of us, if we're familiar with this verse, we've familiarize this version. And we'll talk about some other things as well. But it says, where there is no vision. It's a Greek word, kazon, that means like where there is no dream, where there is no revelation, where there is no, no dream that God has given us, where there is no vision. It says, people perish. And this isn't talking about a, a necessarily a physical death. It's talking about your marriage feels dead. Hopes die, aspirations die. Your dreams and emotions feel dead. And for a lot of people, maybe you in this room, for churches sometimes, they've just lost vision and they feel just like almost zombies, like walking dead. God wants to bring fresh life. And here's how it says. It says, but the verse ends, he that keepeth the law. That means people that stick close to God, that follow him. Listen to this. It says, happy is he. Man, that's, I want the happiness and fullness that comes from God. And maybe that just means we need to draw a little bit closer to following what he has for us, to listening in to the dreams that he has for us, to discovering maybe for the first time or as a reminder again that God has a vision for your life. We're going to go after that today. And this vision I'm going to talk of isn't something that I've just made up or something that's new. It's something that you'll see in scripture time and time again. So I'm going to read this verse from the NIV version. It says it this way. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. So where there is, where it feels like God isn't speaking, the people just start doing whatever they want. They cast off restraint. And really what that means is kind of do this. Eh, meh, whatever. And life almost seems meaningless in purpose. And they just kind of chase after things. We talked about what meh living does to Jesus, it makes him want to vomit. 
And it's a scary place to be in when you just give up and cast off restraint. You're just like, meh. Because what happens is you start to kind of feel your life mantra becomes, I just need to get through it. Meh, I'll just do what it takes to get through. It's survival mode. And here's what I want you to understand. God did not make you just to survive. He made you for significance. You are not here to just survive. You're here to do something significant. Relevant church is not here to just survive. It's here to do something significant. We don't have to stay. You don't have to stay just where you are. It's time to move into significance. Again, we're jumping around. Psalm 126, starting in verse 1. It says it this way. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. Now, Zion is is a terminology for God's people. It's a precursor now to us as God's people, the church. We were like those who dreamed. So it says when when, when they were in the process of being restored, it's because they were dreaming again. So if you want to be in the process of being restored, sometimes you got to get, just start dreaming again. And it says, our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. I want to trust God to get you back to a place of fullness, laughter, and joy. To get this church back to a place of fullness, laughter, and joy. And when people look at you, they say, what is going on? God has done great things with them. But you have to start doing the thing that it starts at the beginning. Just start dreaming again. I don't know if you know this or not, but the word dream and the word health are so closely tied together in the Hebrew that some of the translators didn't even know which word to put there. Dreams and health, they're so tied together, they're almost synonymous. And I want you to think about that a moment. If you want to get healthy again, if you want your soul to feel healthy again, sometimes it's just going to God and saying, God, show me again what you have for me. Some of you guys are struggling in your marriage or you're struggling with your kids, you're struggling in your job, and you need to get a fresh dream again. And when you dream again, it says health. This is scripture. I'm not just making this up. This isn't just psychobabble. This is in Psalms. So I have a simple, simple goal today. It's I want to get you guys dreaming again, church. I want to get you dreaming again personally. And I want to remind you of the vision of this church. And I want to set you up for a challenge that we're going to start next week that's going to go over six weeks. But this isn't a vision that I just suddenly came up with. These are words that are already on your walls. Again, they've just lost some purpose. There are things that your church already says that you say are your vision, but we're going to reinstate these things and show you why they're actually God's vision for you and why they're God's vision for this church. And it's something that's found in Scripture. And as you study Scripture, you'll see this revealed over 16 times, these steps that God wants to move people along. So obviously, God is trying to show us something in Scripture if he keeps repeating this pattern over and over again. And today, I want to look at one of those instances. And it's found in the book of Ephesians. And the version I want to show you, it's Ephesians chapter 1. It's a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for this church in Ephesus. And I love it because Paul is praying for a church and the people in this church. And it's a prayer that I'm sure he would pray for almost any church. And he'd pray for you as well. 
Paul loved churches. He planted them. He cared for them. And he prayed for them. And as we see this prayer, it shows God's heart and his vision for you guys and for us as a church. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 sets it up saying it's Paul's prayer. I'm going to start in verse 17. Paul says this. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So pause right there. First thing Paul says is, I keep asking God that God would give you wisdom and dreams, basically. That he would show you fresh vision again. That he would show up and speak to you anew. Paul says, I just wish people could see this. I wish people could realize what God has them. So I wish you could have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, and he's going to start mentioning these four things. They're the four parts of the vision of your church. They're the four parts that God has for you in your life. This is what he says. He says, so that you, the first one, that you may know him better. So step one of God's vision for your life and for this church is this, know God. Know God. That's the first thing. That's the first step. God God has a vision and a plan for you, but it has to start with you knowing God. And I say that to you guys, and most of you are like, okay, know God. I I get that. We need to move closer to knowing God. But this, this doesn't have the same impact as it would have had to these readers at this time. Because Paul is using a term of intimacy when he says know God. And they've only known a God that they have to do things for, that they have to work things for, that they don't understand a God that they can have an intimate personal relationship with. And the word know here is actually the same, translated the same word as when a man knows his wife and has babies. And Paul's not using it to mean as a sexual term, but it is an intimacy that he's saying is available to you with our creator. He's saying he's available to be known to you, not just by what you do, but by just who he wants to be with you. And to us, we're like, we've heard this before. But to them, they'd be like, wow. And we need to recapture that wow, that we get to know God. That we get to know God. And that's what he wants from you is to to know you. And that's what he wants from this church for, for a people that are willing to go after him to know God. And step, the next thing he says, he says this, secondly, I pray that the eyes of your heart get enlightened. I pray that the eyes of your heart get enlightened. And this actually is the, step, the second step. Paul says, I just wish, I just wish your, the eyes of your heart were changed. Because here's the thing. We all see things through this, this, this set of eyeballs. But the things that we experience through this set of eyeballs and these hands and this brain sink into our soul and our emotions and our heart. And what we really see everything through is the eyes of that. We see everything through the eyes of our past. We see everything through the eyes of the struggles we've gone through, the successes we've had. And we see things through the eyes of our soul, the eyes of our spirit. And he's saying, "I, I just want you to figure out how to get the eyes to be enlightened and he's saying, I want your eyes to not just be settled in the, the things in, that, that you've gone through, but on the things that God has for you. We're looking through that lens, and that's normal for all of us. You guys have come in here today, and you're actually listening to this through the eyes of your heart. We're all seeing through that lens. And Paul said, once you know God intimately and personally and have a relationship with him, I wish 
you would understand how important it is to take this second step. And this second step is this. God wants us to find freedom. He wants us to find freedom. He wants us to find freedom. And that's my prayer for you. And the only way that you can do that is if you start to work through the things that have gone on in your past, the good stuff, the bad stuff, that you begin to find freedom from maybe the hurts and the pains that you carry. Because guys, listen to me. It's virtually impossible to see the plan God has for you if your glasses are all covered up with the smudges of yesterday's mess. It's nearly impossible to see the vision that God has for you if your glasses are always just fogged up with the messes and past of yesterday. I say this to people all the time. You can prepare for the future. You can learn from the past, but you live this day. God has given us each this day. That's why the Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I can prepare from the future. I can learn from the past, but I live this day. And I want to walk in freedom this day. I'm going to work on my heart this day. So the second step that God has for you, he wants you to know him. And then he wants to start working on your heart so you can find freedom. So you can have a different set of priorities so you can walk in newness. That's the vision for our church as well. We'd know God, that we'd find freedom. And this is where you just get your heart healed so that you, it says, so that you might know the hope to which he has called you. This is just a small little thing, but it's so amazing. God has a hope in something that he's called you to. You can look at yourself and you say, God has a hope in something he has called me to. God has called you to a greater hope. God created you on purpose for a purpose. I'm going to say that again because I, I need somebody to go, amen. God created you on purpose for a purpose. God put this church here in Paducah on purpose for a purpose. Today, we want to reclaim some of that purpose. And Paul says, I wish you would know the hope which he has called you to. And I think it's really interesting that hope and calling are connected here. I want you to think about that for a moment. The word hope and the word calling are connected. In other words, once you know that you're here on purpose, that's your source of hope. When you understand that God has a purpose and a calling for your life, it brings you a new hope. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, you're here for a purpose. Okay, try it better than I say. Say, you have purpose. purpose. Now point at yourself. Say, you might have purpose. (laughs) And we joke, but this is how we go through life a lot of times. We see the people around us and we see the things that God has for them and plans and we're like, wow, this person has purpose. But then we look at ourselves and we know our faults, our failures, the ways that we sin and make mistakes. And to ourselves, we're not quite as settled and sure. We say, I might have purpose. Let me reclaim something for you today. God is no respecter of persons. And if you've surrendered your life to him, you have a significant purpose. So instead of saying, I might have purpose, I don't know. No, you have purpose. You have purpose. So step three on this journey is simply this, discover purpose. So God wants you to know him. He wants you to find freedom. And he wants you to discover purpose. And some people, they chase this 
only one type of thing that God wants them to do. And God's saying, would you just start following me? And along the way, I'll reveal myself more and more to you. But my initial purpose is for you to just start following the things that I've asked you to do. I just want you to see the way Paul prayed it. You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to just live your life praying about all your issues all the time and kind of feeling stuck. God's saying, I have a purpose for your life. And it ends, this passage says this, so that you might know the riches of his glorious, watch this here, inheritance in his holy people. Paul said, I want you to know God. I want you to find freedom. I want you to see your purpose so that you may know that God has something. There's a a rich, glorious inheritance that is prepared and waiting for you. You were created on purpose for a purpose and that rich, glorious inheritance only comes when we do the fourth step here. The only way that we start to actually see that inheritance come along is when we do this fourth step and this fourth step is make a difference. Make a difference. Even secular psychologists will tell you that all humans have a basic human desire to make a difference. We all desire to do something meaningful, to be a part of a a collective group that's doing something meaningful. And, And here's the thing, we have an enemy that wants to steal that because we have a whole group of people that are chasing meaning in a way that is just not aligning with what God's purpose is for their life because our enemy knows that God has put in us a unique, innate desire to be meaningful and make a difference. And since we all have that desire, where do you think it came from? It came from God. And God has put you here in this place to make a difference. And it says, so that we might receive his glorious inheritance. And so some of us may be saying, what is this inheritance? It's not an inheritance that's just for you. It's an inheritance that's for this collective group. And it gives us very clearly, we can know what the inheritance is. Psalm chapter two, Matthew chapter 28, it says he gives us the nations as our inheritance. People are our inheritance. And we need to start claiming that inheritance We need to start claiming, hey, my family belongs to Jesus. My neighborhood belongs to Jesus. The city of Paducah belongs to Jesus. But we can't have this inheritance if we're not even doing the things God has asked us to do. It's really hard to claim an inheritance when you don't show up. And I don't mean just sitting in a chair. I'm so glad you guys are here today. But some of you guys have sat in a chair long enough and it's time to actually show up in a new way and be an active participant in your church. To serve, to give, to pray for people. Because we have an inheritance to claim and God is saying, I'm ready to give it to you. I just need you to show up. I just need you to show up. These four steps, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, Make a difference. Since the launch of your church, those have been the vision of your church. That has been God's heart for his people. That is our desire for you, that you would draw closer to Christ, that you'd find freedom, that you'd feel that you have a purpose and that you'd make a difference. They give purpose to everything we do here at Relevant Church and that's why I just want us to reground on those statements. Because 
The reason we gather on Sunday is not just to sing songs. Like I said last week, this is not, this is not meant to just be a social club or some kind of dramatic theater play. We are a movement of God. And the reason we gather on Sundays and our initial reason is because the majority of people who come to have a relationship with Christ here in the United States starts on a Sunday morning. So we have these services to introduce people to a God that they can know. We have these Sunday services that you can know him better. The reason that we talk about small groups so much isn't just because we want to give you something else to do during the week. We talk about small groups because we believe it's incredibly difficult to find freedom in solitude. And we don't just believe that. The Bible says it. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So confessing your sins to God brings salvation, but confessing your sins to each other brings healing. And so if you're looking for God to heal your pain and your struggles from the past, Scripture says you can't do that on your own. You need a community of people to walk you through that. God forgives, but community brings healing. So small groups is not just some kind of marketing ploy for a church. It's actually God's plan for you to be able to find freedom, and you're going to do that best in the context of groups. God wants you to discover purpose. We don't have a next steps class. Again, it's next steps class isn't another thing, another hurdle to go through. It's where we believe that God can start to help you discover purpose so that you can make a difference. Again, it's ingrained in us to make a difference. It's ingrained in us to make an impact, but some of us won't even start by serving here at church. So let's start by making a difference here and then watch it pour out into our neighborhoods and our communities. Man, get on a team and open a door, park a car. Our kids and our students need you. They need you. And I know sometimes they're smelly or they're annoying. I know all those things. I've got them. I let them for a long time. It's true. So are you though. But here's what they need. They need need somebody to just put their arm around and say, man, God loves you. You acting crazy, but God loves you. They need you. And you can make an incredible impact and difference in this church that you leave behind an inheritance to others. And you pass along that inheritance to others. And you reclaim that inheritance. And you pass it along. You reclaim it and you pass it along. And anything outside of those four things, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference, anything outside of those things here at Relevant is a distraction to us and we're going to do our best to not do those things because we're going to push forward towards what God has for us. There's been a lot of distractions and a lot of moments for us to keep our heads down, kind of like that person at that stoplight and God's like, okay, it's time, let's go, honk, honk. So I wanted to take this week to recalibrate. For you to ask yourself personally, how am I doing? How are my disciplines going when it comes to knowing God? Am I spending time in prayer? Am I reading scripture at all? Even if it's just a verse a day, am I doing something to help myself to know God better? How am I doing in community? How am I doing in gathering together with other people? I know for a long time you guys have done small groups on this semester-based system, and that's great and it works for some churches, but my, my struggle with that is it gives these big, huge gaps of when we're doing something that's so important to God. And I always tell people, you're grown-ups. You know when you need a break. You guys should just be gathering together, and most of you are already doing it. 
And so next week, we're going to start encouraging you guys to just start. It's you and a who. If you can get you and someone outside of your house, that's a who. And you go have coffee. You're, you're playing, I don't know, pickleball, whatever weird things y'all do. <laughs> just gather together and then give that little moment a purpose to talk about, man, church was great. What did you get out of it? And just Give what you're already doing a little bit of a purpose. It doesn't need to be some big structured thing. It's just an organic gathering in community together. So next week, we're going to start this journey together. And I know for, for years and years, you guys have done 21 days of prayer and fasting, and usually we'll be starting on this Sunday. And this year, we're going to do something different. This year, we're going to take 40 days beginning next week to shape us into a community of faith who are taking steps to be fully alive. And as you leave today, we've got these little, I call them your packing list, because I'm inviting you to go on a journey with us. And I thought about just starting the journey this week, but I thought, you know what? I want people to actually want to go on this journey. So... There's this little, there's a list on the back here of things that we're going to ask you to be doing. Things like praying, things like taking a moment each week to fast, things like inviting people to church, things like increasing in your generosity and serving. And I want you to take this and I want you to put it somewhere in your house where you see it, whether it's on a refrigerator, on your dresser. And I want you to take this week to actually pray and say, God, enable me to go on this journey with my church. And so you're not just jumping in. You've actually bathed it in prayer before you join us on this journey. A lot of times when we go on a trip, we pray before we go on, you know, we, God, give us traveling mercies. And that's what this is. God, give us traveling mercies because we're going to do something big here at this place. And it's going to take a concerted effort from all of us. So as you leave, I want you to grab this. And on the back of it is a statement. And starting next week, I'm going to read this statement every single week. And they've got it up here on the screen. And this statement says this. Daily, I will be grateful, faithful, and healthy. Weekly, I will commit to Christ-centered community, gathering large, gathering small, and stepping out in faith to gather more. Together, we will pray, give, serve, and love more than ever before. This day, this week, together, we will be fully alive. And I'll read that each week, and I'll just say, are you guys in with this? And I want you to say, either yes or just sit there quietly, but hopefully you'll say yes. But I don't want you to say yes today because I want you to take this home and say, am I actually in in with this? Because I want us to be a church that is following the vision that God has for us, but I want you to be in on this journey. And so next week you'll come and we'll have a little guide for each week, daily things for you to, a prayer focus and some, some ways that you can take next steps because my job is to help you guys become disciples. Not just become seat sitters, but become people who are living out faith and action. Amen. And so we're going to give challenges each week. We're going to give you guys some purpose to reclaim what God has for you each week. And so I want you to show up. I don't want you to say, I'm in for this journey. And one of the things it says on here is I will commit to being at church every Sunday for the next six weeks. I know we take weeks off sometimes. Or you might have traveling, but do your best. Commit to this. It's six weeks of gathering together. But I want you to take this and I want you to pray about it. I want to conclude today with a story found in Mark chapter 8. And it's a story that really hit me hard this week. I've been praying for you guys a lot. I pray for your staff and your team, and I ask God, God, give me, 
give me some ideas and some dreams and some thoughts to, to really help take this church and these people where you want to lead them and guide them. And I was reading this, this passage and it spoke to me and it said this. It's Mark chapter 8 and it's starting in verse 22. It says, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. I always think it's funny here that they're like, hey, this guy's blind, Jesus. You do it this way. Touch him. And Jesus is like, man, I'm doing my own way. Just wait a minute. Not a good idea. Don't tell Jesus what to do. So he takes the blind man by the hand, so he touches him, and he led him outside the village. By the way, sometimes in order for God to speak to you, you need to change your surroundings and your circumstances. You need to get outside of your environment you're currently in. So he takes him outside. And it says, when he spit on the man's eyes, man, Jesus be doing some crazy stuff. <laughs> They're like, well, you touch him. You, you do the thing you've always done. And Jesus is like, I'm a God who does new things. Watch this. <laughs> and for some of you, us saying we're not going to do 21 days of prayer, you're like, oh. And God's like, don't put me in a box. Don't try to just turn me into a strategy. I'm going to do something different and new whenever I want. And Jesus tells him to wipe it away and, and he asks him, do you see anything? And the guy looks up and he says, I see people and they look like trees. And this is what really hit me. Because I got a question for you. If he's blind, how does he know what trees look like? And there's only one conclusion I could come to. This guy, at some point, had vision. At some point, he must have been able to see, but he had lost it. And that, can be, that could be the case in your life. At some point, maybe you had a vision for your marriage. You had a vision for your job. You had a vision for your school life. You had a vision for what it would look like to come and be a part of a church. And maybe you've just lost it. And now you're like, I can kind of make it out. At some point, he was able to see. Obviously, he knew what trees looked like. But then, this, these next two words, it says, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Once more. Jesus had the ability to heal perfectly. He could have healed him right away perfectly, but I think Jesus wanted to show us that he is a God of once more. And he's come today, he's come to your life to say once more, wipe it away. Let me touch your life. Let me do something in you. Let me do something through you. I want to give you fresh vision. I want you to just repent of losing it and gain it back. He has a fresh vision for your life. He has a fresh vision. And it's just restating what he, it's not like he all of a sudden gave him something that's brand new. He just brought him back to where he was. This isn't a fresh vision for our church. It's just a recalibration of what God's already called us to do. Once more, he laid his hands on him and he saw everything clearly. What a joy to be able to have that clarity once again. And that's the journey we want to take you all on in the next six weeks. It's just to recalibrate, to refresh, to get a new joy, to reinstate vision and dreams 
to be able to go once again, this, I'm not seeing blurry trees, but I'm seeing the amazing creation that God has made. I'm seeing everything in technicolor. Let's go. That's my prayer for you today. If you've never put your eyes on Jesus and today is the first day you're hearing that he has a purpose and a plan for your life, today is your day. Today is your day. Jesus came, lived a perfect, sinless life, and died in your place to offer you forgiveness freely for sins. He was put in a tomb, but on the third day, he rose, and he offers his grace, freedom, and salvation freely. For those of you who have come in here today, maybe you're struggling. It seems like you've lost a vision and hope. He's here to put his hands of mercy upon you and say, see once again, I have a vision for you to know me to find freedom from this stuff, a purpose that I have for you, because I want you to make a difference and claim the inheritance that I have. So once more, we're going to be a people that are fully alive. Let's pray.